trigger warning. Content discussed in this episode may be inappropriate and or triggering for some listeners. Topics may include violence, death, child loss, sexual assault, abuse, pregnancy loss, abortion, miscarriage, and other things that might be upsetting. Let's get into murder. All right. Is it my turn to go first? Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I think. Welcome back. Beautiful. That was perfect. I'm Jackie. Oh, I'm Kate. And we're expecting. Oh, and expecting Tori. Expecting a podcast. <laughs> expecting only a podcast. Anything else? No, thank you. Nope. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We'll go on that infamous camping trip. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this this week I have an interesting story that I am very excited about. So, some things that have been, some of, throughout, the since the draft opinion released and once SCOTUS's opinion was released and we found out what we were thinking was going to happen, became reality. Um, Something that's consistently been in the background is not just the reaction internationally to what's happening in the United States, but kind of looking to what's happening around the world and in places who've already done this and the outcome Mm, mm -hmm. and what's happening. So... The first time that I really got interested about what was going on in Poland was when I saw the people protesting. I mean, you want to put on a protest? Let me tell you, Poland, they know how to do it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, They are showing out. So... To kind of go back and give you a little history of what's the fight for abortion in Poland. Um, Poland is ahead of the United States in the abortion battle. And there are a lot of parallels in what's going on there and what's going on here. Some things are different. Like, for example, Poland is a devoutly Catholic country, you know, with close to 85% of the country identifying as Catholic. Um, How it started was abortion, pre-World War II abortion, you couldn't get an abortion unless it, you, the normal exemptions. Yeah, like rape, the life of the incest, mother. incest, oh, okay. life of the mother. Okay. And then when the Nazi party took over World War II. Lots of ridiculous, horrible, horrific things were happening in Poland. Nazis engaged in abortions. Oh. Yes. And so 
the anti-abortion movement in Poland now has kind of capitalized oh, on that. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Of, of yeah, course. It's like Margaret Sanger and eugenics. Yes, yes. So, um, but in the 50s and 60s, around 1956, they... the once liberal abortion laws that were there, they became, that's when they started, they became more difficult. Okay. Right. And they have the exemptions. The, and under when they had communism, they added in, you could get an abortion if you had difficult living conditions. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And what that did was kind of open it all up. Yeah. It opened up abortion there. And then through the, throughout the 50s and 60s, Poland became a place that people would go to. If you needed to have an abortion, you would go to Poland. Okay. Okay. So 1989, the Berlin Wall fell, you know, and then now it's a, in, in Poland, communism is no longer. Like the dominant economic right. system. Well, then abortion also becomes that's when their abortion restrictions start hitting. And we know exactly what that looks like. You know, it's piece by piece, a little bit at a time. Right. So the pro-choice movement in Poland is called the Abortion Dream Team. Mm. I mean, what kind of name is that? We need that name. (laughs) I'm writing that down. Next tattoo idea. So, I know, right? That is great. So in 2016, that was when... They, um, the abortion dream team stopped a total ban on abortion with, it was called a black protest and thousands of Polish people took to the streets with black umbrellas and things like everybody was wearing black and they stopped that ban in 2016. And this started a movement in Ireland who has similar right. similar restrictions. Yeah. And folks were beginning to fight back on the restrictions there. Well, then in Poland they have their government is called the Constitutional Tribunal. Ooh, that's a lot of syllables. I know, right? And they made abortion, abetting abortion, criminal, except in instances of the life of the parent, rape or incest. So still far more progressive than the Kentucky General Assembly. Yes. Great. Okay. So, but, and then here's what happened. There was a a woman who was pregnant. Her name was Isabella. Isabella. And Isabella is pregnant she finds out that there are numerous defects in the fetus. Mm-hmm. Numerous defects. Um, her water breaks in the fifth month. Oh, no. Yeah, 22 weeks. She is, throughout this time, you know, like she knows there's something, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And she is texting her mother that her life is in danger and the doctors are afraid to do anything yet and this this is the problem with the exemptions exactly. they're not fucking clear right 
And she And the penalties are so high. Yes. That doctors are afraid to act. Yeah. So they're afraid to act. And like the text between her and her mother. Oh no. And she's saying, I'm going to go set I'm going to go septic. I'm an I am an incubator. Yeah. My life is not value. She died of septic shock. Oh my god. Waiting for doctors. Because they were too scared to act. That is, so the story. And they're waiting for the fetus to not have a heartbeat. Yeah. So. (sighs) Horrific. This started hashtags in Poland. Not one more. And that's where you see people in the streets. The government says that the doctors are to blame, not the ruling. No, (laughs) When the doctors are left without full answers. Because these are the situations that happen when you make giving medical care criminal. The most horrific part about that was the way that she was texting her mother knowing this is what's going to happen asking for help her life is clearly in danger but because there is still a heartbeat the doctors don't know what to do and and again there are so many parallels from what's going on in Poland to what's what to expect here. And it brings us to where we're at. You know, Louisiana, you can't get abortions in Louisiana anymore. You know, in Kentucky, right now, we're waiting until July 18th. July 18th, we'll find out if the TRO, the temporary restraining order that has been that has been put into place by the judge for the trigger ban and the six-week ban will stay through the duration of the case or not. So abortion is literally hanging by a string. And how long until there's a story of... Well, and I feel like we've heard... When actually... Because of the way abortion works in this country, we've had Isabella's already, of course, pre Roe v. Wade. But even now, with you know, for in Kentucky, it was already very difficult to get access to an abortion, especially if you didn't have money. I mean, my God, if you didn't have money, if you lived in a rural part of the state, if you were a vulnerable, you know, like made vulnerable because of oppression, because of Mm -hmm. your skin color, because of having uh, a substance use disorder, all sorts of things. So we Mm -hmm. already had multiple tier system, but yeah. And that's very similar to the story I was going to share, which I told you I was going to share. And then I switched my stories, but I am, I am still going to do that story of a woman. And I think she was an Indian born woman, but an Irish woman um, that I think helped spur the, movement in ireland to move toward decriminalization if not legalization of abortion access because it's it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous that we have 
politicians making these medical decisions without being clear on what the facts are around maternal health and what can happen. And you hear so many folks, I know um, you hear a lot from the opposition and anti-choice people that these are all just rare things that happen. This isn't something that is... This isn't something that's uh, that happens on a regular basis. And problems with pregnancy are so common. Are so common. Um, okay. I'm going to move into my story. No. Nope. Yes, no? Oh. I wasn't done. Oh, okay. Sorry. Pregnancies are so common. Oh. <laughs> Um, so what, you know, what's the current status of abortion access in Poland? I never thought I'd ask that question. (laughs) There is not abortion access in Poland, except for the life of the mother and rape. Which is not real access anyway, given the example of Isabella. Because clearly her life was in danger. That's not, and that was the point I was hoping to show. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so, um... I have a strange story. I went through like several different stories and I was hesitant and am remaining hesitant to share this story because it is a um, story. That's the 12th time I've said story. It is a story that anti-abortion people really capitalize on. What's in this story? Well, you're going to find out. Um, The... The story. I listened. <laughs> I accidentally listened to an anti-abortion podcast, t- two full episodes. I'm before, I'm ashamed. Before, of you. hold on. This is not a shame place. Oh, I'm ashamed. Before I realized it was anti-abortion, and there were a couple of times where I really? thought you couldn't tell. Well, I thought, but they had a British accent or something, and I was like, surely not these people. <laughs> Uh, and I sort of realized it last night after I'd already spent like several hours listening to it. And then I was like, well, I can't listen to this anymore. But here's why I'm sharing that now. Because it's just like those fake clinics. Yeah. It's just like the crisis pregnancy centers, which are fake clinics that legitimately trick people into coming in there. I know a woman who I'm pretty sure got tricked into going into one of those places when she was in need of services. And this woman is like multiple advanced degrees. Not that that necessarily, you know, there's lots of things of value besides education. But she's a smart woman, even without the degree. She's a smart, smart woman. So I wanted to share my own experience of a sort of a virtual crisis pregnancy center <laughs> via true crime <laughs> that I was tricked into. So um, the woman at the center of this story is named Karnamaya Monger. And she was killed in 2009, Karnamaya Monger. So Karnamaya, first name, Monger, last name. She was Nepalese. She had just arrived in the country in 2009. She might have arrived in 2008, but she hadn't been here very long. And she had come to the United States after living for 20 years in refugee camps. Wow. She did not speak any English 
And her husband worked at a chicken plant. And I share that detail because here in Kentucky, we know of lots of um, workers who work at chicken plants or other places on account of their immigration status Mm -hmm. or their socioeconomic status and where people experience a high level of exploitation. Yep. Or that's a lot of, a lot of times you'll see people work there who have uh, felony charges on their record. Yeah. And they think that this is, these are my only options. Yeah. And, and they might legitimately be right to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so that makes them very easy to experience exploitation for the benefit of an industry that can profit off of them. So Karnamaya was uh, 41 years old. She already has three children. So like most people who have abortions, she already has at least one child at home because there's definitely, I don't think I'm wrong here, a narrative out there that people who are having abortions are teenagers, like that it's exclusively young people. Not that young people can't already have a child, but like it's not as um, black and white as people think. Mm -hmm. So, Or their favorite argument, they're using using abortions as birth control. Which like... Why do people think that? Do they think like I don't want to go to you the OBGYN how for many, any reason? How many people say that? I know. No, I will believe it. That is everywhere, and it's just and it's so. I can't believe how they are winning that narrative. Yes, how quickly they can spread misinformation with the statistics about abortion are readily available online yeah well and also like just anyone with common sense would assume that getting an abortion medical abortion surgical abortion is a pain in the ass it's a pain in the ass like yeah the the bar the low threshold is it's a pain in the ass it goes up to being extremely complicated it could be simple but it's still a pain in the ass anyway so she had three children and like the beautiful woman I'm looking across the table at, she had uh, a grandchild as well. Mm. And she found herself at 41 years old pregnant. And she had just moved to this country. Like she did not want to be pregnant. They could not afford a child. Her husband worked at a chicken plant. Like they didn't have the resources they needed. So like we have no idea if Karnamaya wanted to have a child or didn't want to have a child because she didn't have the resources to actually make that decision for herself anyway. Further, she likely didn't have control over her own. She didn't have the resources she needed to just be controlling her reproduction to the extent any of us can. Mm-hmm. So she went to get an abortion. She was turned down by several clinics because of how many weeks along she was in her pregnancy. But she finally wound up in front of a man named Kermit Gosney. What are you Googling over there? Kentucky Annual Abortion Report. Okay. It's I'm distracting listening. me. I'm sorry. Um, I'm very easily distracted. I know. You, Kate really enjoys me making full eye contact. I really do. It re- I, I'm, so, I'm sorry that I do. Not necessarily full eye contact. Maybe 70%. Full eye contact's too much. 
Okay. You're you're hard to decipher lately. And you know what? I have another question. <laughs> we used to have phone conversations few times a week. Mm-hmm. Few times a week. Mm-hmm. I get, you know, we've both been busy, so we can't talk on the phone every day. Mm-hmm. But how do we go from having phone conversations a few times a week to zero? Well, that's a great question. To zero. <laughs> For the past three weeks, <laughs> it's not zero. It is zero. Okay, well, let's come It's back. zero. Can we come It's we like put you that have a parking lot. Nope. We're it's like you back. have a, you have this in your mind i can only talk to jackie on the phone between like there's a time frame between eight and five anytime beyond that i'm eight not going to answer five. the phone calls because oh. i have receipts well I'll i can tell pull you, up receipts i will tell you bedtime's a lot more complicated than it used to be for yeah, the past i want to know weeks. what's been going on okay i'll tell you about because let me finish the story and then we'll talk about bedtime if that's okay okay because it since we've transitioned to a big bed it's like hours every night it's hours like she it used to be it wasn't great but it'd be like an hour maybe now it's like because she can just get out of her bed and she does and then i it's like oh and i'm like sometimes i like yell at her and i don't know i'm like what's discipline versus like frustration being me yeah Mm-hmm. okay so we'll come back to that okay um so kermit gosney and i'm gonna refer to him henceforth as kermit i will not be saying doctor um but he is someone who is responsible for running a disgusting reprehensible alleged service provider but in reality he was exploiting a community around him. He was primarily serving black clients. He was primarily serving immigrant clients. And when he served white clients, they would be taken to like a, the only clean office that was in the space. And when a staff person asked why white women were treated differently when one rarely would come in, he said it was the way of the world. And was Kermit himself? What was he was a black man. And I perhaps should not say this. Let's find out. It it reminded me of the some of the stuff that O.J. Simpson would say or do when they did that documentary about him Mm -hmm. and obviously that's very complicated like self-hate is a real thing and oppression Mm -hmm. we all know it as women as people you know as person of color so like he was a bizarre individual on so many levels and there's a very lengthy there's a quote just for that what is it? All skin folk ain't kin folk. I've heard that, yeah. So he was... Clarence Thomas, another example. We need one for gender, for white women. Although it's like maybe it's almost you could flip it because the majority of white women are causing problems. It's only... Okay, so... And including myself into that. So um, Kermit Gosney was... Kermit... Act- 
Kermit, thank you. Kermit. What agreed to give Carnamaya, you know, like provide this abortion, alleged abortion, because that's not what he was doing. And she came in to be treated. I think she comes in the night before and they dilate her cervix, which can we talk about? Dilating your cervix sounds like a sterile, regular thing. It is fucking not. Anything that's ever been done to my cervix is incredibly painful. It's not cool. It's not chill. It's very painful. He dilates somebody dilates her cervix she comes back the next day she's complaining of severe pain and um kermit's not there he routinely was not in the office when services were being provided he was the only licensed doctor on staff there wasn't even a nurse on staff and so non-medical staff including an 18 year old child high school senior was administering anesthesia so he's pretty much just experimenting on people. Exactly. So there you go. There's another theme. Ir- experimentation on black women. Also talking about how black women, when they talk about pain, aren't believed. So like there's a lot here. She is also being uh, anesthesized. I don't know how, what the verb is for getting anesthetized. 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 She's getting anesthetized by an 18-year-old who's giving her Demerol which is not standard practice, but it was cheaper. So like he would have them use Demerol. Uh, Karnamaya was 41 years old and she was tiny. They did not weigh her and like take into account what her weight was. So throughout the day, as she's complaining of pain, they are administering more and more Demerol. And she's there for hours. Finally, Kermit, I started to say Kermit because of the years of Muppet Babies. Kermit shows up and attempts to complete the procedure. I'm not exactly sure. There is a very lengthy grand jury report. And she starts to slow her breathing. Her skin starts turning gray and blue because she's not getting oxygen. Finally, the paramedics are called. Which luckily are really close because uh, the university hospital is right near there. The paramedics are called. They can't get in because the place is so filled with like garbage. And then when they try to get her out, the emergency exit door is padlocked. So they have to get bolt cutters from like a police officer or a janitor to like get her out the door. She gets to the hospital and she has a weak pulse. But unfortunately, the doctors are not able to um keep her alive so on top of that back at the place where she just left i mean you can't call it a doctor's office i don't even know what to call it torture chamber black back there they have like rearranged things like when the paramedics were on their way there's evidence that like she what Carnamaya was rearranged that stuff was removed like to like cover up the negligence if you can even call it just negligence that they engaged in so Kermit was oh also there was a defibrillator there but they couldn't use it because it was broken so 
he had at the same time been under investigation for selling Oxycontins to the community. So it seems like that's the uh, one of the least dangerous things that he's doing at this point. I mean, absolutely. But he's so, so like that was happening simultaneously. Like the two. I swear I just saw a bird jump from the roof. Oh, no. Bird suicide? It was, they, it wasn't like they were flying past. It was like. A full jump. Like was it one bird? down. No, it was two. Oh, Romeo and Juliet situation. Could have been. That's a bird, Romeo and Juliet. Um, so Kermit was also putting oh, a ton Nancy. of drugs in. Oh, yeah. He murdered her, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't Sid murder Nancy? Yeah. Not a good. People had been complaining, filing complaints for years. There was at least another woman that died in his. I don't want to say care. How long did it take them to decades? He um, encouraged the team. He didn't like the sound of screaming or moaning, so he always encouraged the team to administer drugs to the point of someone being in st- a stupor-like state. And people would have been screaming and moaning because he perforated people's bowels, their cervixes, their uteruses, their just different body parts. So the reason why I was accidentally listening to an anti-abortion podcast about this is because the anti-abortion extremists try to claim that like oh this is because this is how people are that support access to abortion when in reality this is how people are when they don't have access to abortion when you have individuals who are so desperate to have control over their reproduction that they go into a office which by the way they had cats in and smelled like urine and there were lazy boy recliners in the recovery room can you imagine would either of you walk into that space at this point in your life and not turn the fuck around immediately that's someone without options exactly that's what this story is about this story is about an individual who knew he could exploit a community that wouldn't be listened to that Mm -hmm. wouldn't be investigated and that was desperate and he knew that he had this opportunity to make a lot of money. To, he, he exploited a community where he made money. He made more money off of people, honestly, by selling them more drugs to put them into a stupor. But it, it, that's what the story to me is really about, is someone not having access, which is and what we're currently experiencing. for decades. Yes. And part of why he operated for decades is because abortion is seen as a controversial and political issue. So like no, even the oversight bodies that were responsible completely neglected to actually provide oversight because they didn't want to fool with what's a political thing. Mm -hmm. And we know that that is a reality today because we don't have abortion. I mean, we're on the verge of not having abortion access at all in Kentucky, but even under the status quo, we don't have abortion access in your OBGYN office. You have to go yep. someplace special. There's only two places in the entire state where you were able to access it because of anti-abortion extremists. So like they're the ones that built this system. It's because of them that this person existed, that Kermit was able to take advantage of individuals like Karna Meyer. So I think that's what's so frustrating. And also, this is my last point. It's like 
it reminds me of this comment that we're hearing right now, which is that yes, abortion's becoming inaccessible to people with privilege, but it's always been that way for people like Karna Meyer. It's always been that way, mm -hmm. even when abortion was lawful in the state of Kentucky in some other way, some perhaps more meaningful way than what we currently have, it was never accessible. Yeah, and what's, and that, that's the continued problem. One in four people on average yes. have had an abortion. Yeah. And even though we all are aware of those numbers, how many people do you hear speaking about it? Right. Or talking about it? And it's not because all of these people are so ashamed. It's because of the the way that they are viewed by society. Yeah. And the way that the how every it's such a stigmatized issue and it's awful it's awful and i'm just so tired of it i'm so i'm so sick of it and also like there's tons of elements of our lives even that aren't necessarily stigmatized that we're not talking about in a public setting because it's really no one's business mm -hmm. it's like I mean, we're talking about it because we like to and it's entertaining, but like cervix shit earlier, like when I didn't, it's not like you're talking routinely about like my endometriosis or my fucking, um, what are the things you get on your buttholes? What are hemorrhoids. those? Hemorrhoids. hemorrhoids. Post-pregnancy hemorrhoids. Nobody told me. Yep. Those are forever, I think now. What? Hemorrhoids? Yeah. Hemorrhoids suck and i never had one before pregnancy but now i get them so anyways it's just like okay well that's all i've got <laughs> Eleven thirteen. that was way shorter than i thought it was gonna be um is there any more to say or talk about should we go back uh, to the conversation on why i'm inaccessible in the evenings yeah what's okay. going on so like really it is i'm surprised hayden how old's hayden Hayden's fought. See, we, um, I tell Hayden, this may be frowned upon, but I tell Hayden, get in the butt, get in the bed, get in the butt. Yeah, get in the butt. I, I was like, that. I don't know what that, I don't, is that I don't a particular do position? I, don't do that. Uh -uh. I say, get in the bed or I'm going to bust your butt. And he's like, let's go. Have you busted his butt? I did. I did it yesterday. I, I was like, I'm busting your butt. You know, because I've been threatening that for for years now. Yeah. And then finally it came to the you point. You can't have an empty threat. Yeah. And I went over there and I busted his butt. He's making eye contact. You know, and I'm like, and he's didn't cry. He's looking at me. And all this, this is what... This is what you. <laughs> this you made me do this. Did you say that? No, <laughs> I, I went like this. He didn't care. He was like, it was performative. Yeah, he was just like, okay. And now what? I'm still not doing what you said. Yeah, that's not Your really. Your threat's gone. Yeah. No, I'll try to. I've raised my voice at him. You know, it's not. I'm not actually gonna hurt him. I know. <laughs> yeah. And it's like there's not like. Here's the thing: is normally when she's missed, and I'll raise my voice. I raise my voice too, but I try. Like lately, I'll try to do it without yelling. So I try to keep the tone 
very medium. It sounds like Anchorman. It sounds like Will Ferrell and Anchorman. Like, it's not... It's... Is there a... I don't know. Like, when my kids were little, we would... I had the most problems with Malika going to bed. Oh, by far. By far. And it would... Like, we got to the point where sometimes I would just have to... She'd cry. And we, you know, I would just leave, try to leave her to cry. Mm-hmm. And I would be fine it's not with like leaving Hattie to cry. I would be, unlike Kermit, I wouldn't drug Hattie into, like, oh, I've, I've done, be, I've done melatonin. Well, that's not a drug. Does it work? Yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, okay. Gummies, melatonin gummies. Yep. Are you sure it was melatonin? Whatever it was, make him go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Work for me. Um, also, though, on a deeper level. But I have more problems with Aubrey going to sleep. Aubrey is, Aubrey's, her parents struggle getting her to bed. She's been used to not, she doesn't have, and she's younger. You know, it's not the same as Hayden. Maya is another. Maya will go to bed 7 o'clock right next to Malika and Denzel her bed is in there she has they her and Hayden have two twin beds in their bedroom yeah but then she has a her toddler bed is next to their bed because that's where she actually sleeps yeah 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 I feel like that would really interrupt your sex life well we're not having sex at nighttime anyway oh well I last night and last night we were getting it on to the point of my room is over top of Calfani's room. He texted me last night. Shut up! At one four, at one sixteen, and it was when the sex was happening, and it just said, "Mom." <laughs> oh my god! And I know what it was, and he's too humiliated to say. I can hear what's happening. Yeah, you gotta... You know, can can this not... Ha- I don't want to hear. Is like, I don't want room? to acknowledge. Is his room on the other side of the house? It's under um, my room. I'm surprised it's you know, taken that long for was, that to happen. I mean, we it had been a long time, so we just was... It was forever. We just wasn't stopping. Look at you, bragging forever so when you said you don't have sex at night uh can we unpack that Um, i'm too sleepy it's daytime it's mostly on the weekends you all just do you plan it or is it spontaneous um usually i plan it i don't know if my husband knows that i've planned it but i plan it at this time i'm gonna walk downstairs sexy oh yeah i try to do a lot of that that doesn't I usually then have to just explicitly ask because whatever I'm doing to be sexy isn't being perceived as sexy. (laughs) That I have noticed is harder to, I don't know, like being married, like how you, I mean, because I nothing I do anymore is like oh that or if he's there's saying, no mystery yeah it's not it or if he's like oh yeah you're you look good right now it's always completely at an inappropriate time yes like, yeah Hayden is sitting in here. yeah like, what are you talking about you're like it doesn't matter no yeah, yeah. 
shut it down, shut it down, whatever you're thinking is going to happen. It's not. But I mean, certainly 1 a.m. My God, no. Oh, 1 a.m. I can't. I can't I was possibly. I too, but I woke up. You know when the only time I've ever woken up and had sex was while I was pregnant? I will wake Zach up all the time. Hmm. Like, not all the time. But, like, if I want to do it and he's asleep, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I would do that, too. I just, that's never happened. And I, I'm aggressive while we're asleep. Like, I'll always scoot over closer and closer and closer and closer to him until he was telling me the other night that he was asleep like his body that I had scooted myself all the way over to his side of the bed and that he was trying to straighten his legs out really tight and he said I was holding on to the dresser trying to stay on the bed (laughs) I was like you were not he was like yes Yes, I was was. yeah bye love you guys um this was a great pod um see you at the birthday party maybe you'll answer the phone at night Maybe you won't. You know what else? I like being alone. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's true. Yeah, whatever. But that is true. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed are strictly our own and not that of anyone else, including our employer or anyone who employs us. We hope that this pod sheds light on issues that perpetrate a culture of violence towards women, trans people, people of color, and black people, and other people that are oppressed and experience oppression. In an effort to make the post-Roe world a safer and more rad place for everyone.